This is an independent podcast. Nathan here. We're proud to have Syntax Strategic as our sponsor. Syntax, led by entrepreneur Jennifer Stewart, is an all-female Canadian public relations and marketing firm that believes in supporting people like us dudes, those who want to tell stories of others and make the world a little bit better and brighter. Um, I'm AJ Jackiebeck from TSN 1200 Radio in Ottawa, and this is my interview with the Interview Dudes. Thank you for coming. It's a it's a real pleasure. So, what was your most favorite and least favorite game to see, like in the World Cup? So I'll go least favorite. Um, it's the only one that I missed a goal from of the 34 games that uh, that I ended up attending, and that was Japan Costa Rica. So it wasn't a very good game. Um, Japan had come off uh, an amazing upset in their first game against Germany and were really controlling things. And Costa Rica was just hanging around, hanging around. And then it's, uh, it was on a Canada game day and we just wanted to kind of soak up some of the atmosphere before the game with the Canadian fans, uh, after like that was their second game. So it was the game where they scored against Croatia and, and so, so we left early and actually heard the roar of the Costa Rican fans as we were leaving the stadium and they had scored the only goal of the game. And it was quite surprising given how little that they had actually achieved through the 80 minutes or so that we had watched that it was Costa Rica and not Japan that had scored. But uh, so that was probably least favorite. Uh, favorite game. Oh, that's, that's such a tough question. Um, you know, the three Canada games were all special to see them. Uh, the South Korea Ghana game was, was really incredible with, uh, Ghana getting in front two nil South Korea tying it up, uh, with, you know, just an incredible goal, uh, a header came out of nowhere and player looked like he was Superman flying through the box, heading at home. But, uh, and then Ghana ended up scoring late to, to win at three, two, but I'd have to say, Probably the last game that I attended was Morocco-Portugal. And just to experience an African side reaching the semifinals for the first time and winning in the quarterfinals for the first time, upsetting Portugal, sending Cristiano Ronaldo out of the tournament, that has to be probably, of the non-Canada games, definitely uh, my favorite that I ended up witnessing. Yeah, the Costa Rica one was like super surprising because Japan beat Germany... 2-1 and then Costa Rica got absolutely destroyed by Spain 7-0 so it was like when I saw the scoreboard I was so surprised what yeah. oh sorry you go yeah no sorry I, I was just gonna say like and that was the weird thing about this World Cup as well as you would see one game where a team would get completely blown out and you know Spain winning 7-0 as you mentioned and then like the same thing Brazil up 4-0 at halftime against South Korea. Uh, ended up losing the next game on penalties to Croatia. Portugal beating Switzerland 6-1. Next game getting eliminated by Morocco. So it was it just go it went to show like how crazy like, narrow. There's some powerhouses for sure and we saw them in the final game Argentina and France and uh, what a what a final it ended up being, but 
I think the gap has narrowed. There's still a gap between, you know, your Argentina's, your Brazil's, France, England, you know, Germany, even though they got eliminated, uh, Spain, like the, the top teams are really good, but I feel like there is momentum amongst, you know, Japan and South Korea and the African nations and, and, and you can see Canada and even the United States closing the gap as well. So it's exciting to see. And then, you know, who knows by 2026, maybe we'll see some more big upsets uh, when Canada, the U S and Mexico are hosting this event. So who was your favorite player going into this world cup? And if it's changed, who's your favorite player now? Oh, that's a great question. They'll all be Canada guys. So, I mean, obviously I appreciate, <clears throat> and it was great seeing some of the great players from around the world, Messi, uh, Cristiano Ronaldo, even though he's at the tail end of his career, Luka Modric was a player that, I mean, I'd always appreciated him and he was player of the tournament four years ago for a reason, but getting to watch him firsthand, just sitting and, and appreciate him appreciating him live was was really special to see just what a magician he is in, in central midfield so um th- those were some of my favorite players to watch i mean obviously killian mbappe uh, another that was fantastic uh the entire brazilian team when they were playing uh, it was incredible to watch just them link up and, and the way they were attacking but uh favorite player going in probably combination of Alfonso Davies, Jonathan David, and Stephanie Ustakiu, and uh, I'm going to stick with the Canadian contingent, maybe add Tejon Buchanan to that list as well. Yeah, so you had, like, the pleasure of, like, obviously, you know, watching watching those games in person. How was the general atmosphere of it? Because, like, obviously, there's, like, so many people who, like, want to watch it, and it's obviously, like, really loud crowds, right? Yeah. Yeah, the, the atmosphere was was fantastic and and that was one of the things that i really wanted to experience and because i knew it was a one-time thing where i was going to be able to get to a ton of games and i wanted to be able to see every team and i ended up seeing every team which was fantastic from a soccer perspective just to see what they brought to the table but more i wanted to experience what it was like you know being in the stands for all 32 teams and you know, like the, the last team I ended up getting tickets for was Ghana. And it was a back-to-back. And it's funny because when Canada was eliminated two days in, you're thinking, okay, like Canada's only one of two teams eliminated. And it was it was frustrating, right? Even though you knew they were better than, you know, a lot of the teams there. And, you know, even like the Australians, for example, we hung out with some Australians and they're like, okay, we're advancing and we're not even half as good as you guys were. And I actually agreed with them, but that's the way it goes. Sometimes it just seemed like Canada wasn't truly ready for that stage. And in three and a half years, hopefully I'm sure we will be, but I know the next day I went to back to back games and it was Cameroon, Serbia, and it was Ghana, South Korea, and that Ghana game was one that I mentioned. And just to experience, like, the sub-Saharan African teams and, you know, just the atmosphere that they bring to the table with the drums and the dancing, and and it was nonstop, start to finish, no matter what the score was, th- those games were really cool to experience, just to kind of be there for those games. And And, again, I think we're not really used to 
you know, we're used to World Cups and, okay, it's this South American side against this European side. And the African sides have, have brought something special at, at times. And, you know, on very limited occasions, we've seen some stuff from Asia. But to see Morocco get to the, the semifinals, to see South Korea and Japan both pull some major upsets, beating Portugal and Germany and Spain, respectively, uh, to get to the knockout stages, uh, to see the Tunisian fans and Tunisia beat France in their last game, even though they didn't qualify, to see Saudi Arabia and, and their fans uh, beating Argentina. I think that was the real cool thing about this World Cup. It truly was a World Cup that was representative of fans from all 32 countries, and in particular, lots of people from Africa and Asia. So that that was the best part about this World Cup, for sure, is just the diversity that you got to experience from uh, the different countries, and in particular from Africa and Asia. Yeah, I I believe that Canada had the hardest group because Croatia and Morocco went to semis, and Belgium was ranked number two in the FIFA's rankings, and they still got eliminated. And then there was Canada, so like Canada had a really tough group to overcome, but. You you were mentioning like you liked when there was days off of the World Cup in Qatar. How was like the other stuff from the World Cup? Like how was Qatar in general? Yeah, so I'll, I'll answer the first part as well because I, I agree with you. And going into the tournament, I kind of felt okay that Germany, Spain, Japan, Costa Rica group was maybe the toughest. But in hindsight, you look whether it's the FIFA rankings, whether it's I'm, I'm a big fan of the ELO rankings, which to me seem to be a little bit more accurate. Canada's dumped all the way to 53rd right now in the FIFA rankings. And to me, that's overly harsh. We're 40th in the ELO rankings. And Croatia, uh, Morocco, and Belgium, because of this latest World Cup, three of those teams, they're all in the top 11 of the ELO rankings. So that goes to show how difficult all of our matches were and, really would deserve a better fate against Belgium and people all over the world. Whenever we saw them after that game said so uh, that, that Canada deserves something out of that game. Croatia got humbled a little bit for sure against a real quality and veteran side. And I think deserved better against Morocco as well. I mean, inches away from an equalizer from Atiba Hutchinson. So in hindsight, you're right. I think no doubt we were in the toughest group and the fact that Croatia and Morocco both, both reached the semifinals prove that in terms of what the rest of it was like it was it was such a great cultural experience for me I've been traveled quite a bit in my life extensively in north I've been to all 10 provinces in the Yukon and 50 states in the U.S. and you know all over Europe and, and quite a bit in Latin America and Mexico and Costa Rica and uh, Colombia and a couple of other places as well El Salvador Dominican Republic so Relatively well-traveled, but had never been to the Middle East and had never been to Asia. And, you know, the first day when we arrived and saw where our apartment was, which was pretty close to central Doha, uh, basically one stop away from, like, there's three major subway lines, the red line, the green line, and the gold line. And we were a 10 to 15-minute walk away from the red line and the green line, which was one step away or one stop away from the the central station, which was Mesherim. So it, was, it ended up being a real convenient place to be. Um, but at first, it was a little bit jarring because we were in a, a heavily Muslim-dominated community, and 
you know, there's places selling live chickens, like three of them within a block of our place. And so like at first you're thinking, okay, well, what are we doing here? This, this is not, this is not the, the Doha that I expected. And it ended up being fantastic. Our neighborhood was awesome. Like heard the call to prayer every morning. And, and so, you know, the first time you hear that, that was certainly different and strange and something you'd seen on television, but um people in our neighborhood were so friendly. I mean, it was people from India, Pakistan, Bangladesh, Sri Lanka, Nepal, uh, all over South Asia. A lot of uh, people from the Philippines there, a lot of people from Africa there, from Ghana, from Kenya, from various parts, Zambia, Senegal. So just an amazing experience. And by the end, I felt sorry for the people that were in kind of, you know, the rich areas that, um, you know, were, were, experiencing $35 nachos and $25 beers um, where our neighborhood, you could get a $4 shawarma and it was fantastic. So it, from that perspective, it was, it was a tremendous life experience. I come away, you know, I, I went to Qatar with open eyes and an open mind and, you know, certainly was, was very mindful of what I'd read over the course of the last 10 years about migrant workers and and their treatment and and you know human rights issues and 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 for sure i i think there are areas going forward where you know hopefully that country can improve much like you know here in canada and no matter where you're from that we have areas that we can improve on going forward progress is a good thing so i hope the legacy of this world cup is that Migrant workers continue to be treated better than they were 10 years ago, better than they were five years ago, and that they're not forgotten about. Um, they've, they've had a minimum wage, which is good. That wasn't there before. And hopefully they continue to get more rights because they're going to continue to get more events there. There's F1 events in Bahrain, the United Arab Emirates, Saudi Arabia, and uh, Qatar. And Qatar just signed a 10-year deal for F1 events. And, and I think based on this World Cup, that region is going to continue to to bring in more major sporting events. So hopefully with that comes more progress. It's a, it's a strange country in the sense that there's only 12% of the country is made up of actual Qatari citizens. The rest of the country is made up of migrant workers. So um, my experience in Qatar was fantastic because of the migrant workers and because of how friendly they were and, and how fantastic they were as hosts and, and hopefully uh, their treatment continues to be um, on the up and up going forward, because that's what truly makes that country in my opinion. So what team did you think was going to win going into this? And other than Canada, what team did you want to win? Um, I'm just trying to think I, my original pick was Brazil. And so it was a big surprise when they ended up losing to Croatia, especially the way they had performed at their best in their tournament. I think they were the best team. I just don't know if they knew how to win. And that was evident, especially in that quarterfinal game. Saw them at halftime. I was at that game celebrating on the sidelines as if they had won. And it was 1-0. And I'm thinking, this is a Croatia team that doesn't give up. And sure enough, they got the equalizer and ended up winning on penalties, which was harsh on Brazil. But that's that's the World Cup. You, you have to be ruthless 
Um, and and that's how the teams that got to the final got there. And Brazil just didn't have that extra gear in them in terms of, um, you know, the mental game as far as I was concerned. In terms of who else I was cheering for, I mean, I was cheering for Poland because of my Polish-Ukrainian heritage on my dad's side. So I went to three of the Poland games, which was a pretty cool experience. And I, I got to start cheering from for Morocco, which was something that, that I didn't expect. But I, I really admired, A, the way they played, but B, just their fans. There were a ton of fans in particular from four different countries. And that was uh, Argentina and Mexico, which we knew about. But I didn't realize, and uh, proximity was obviously a big part of it and part of being um, the Arab world as well. But just how many Tunisians and how many Moroccans would be at the games. And um, really glad I, I went to the Tunisia game that I went to, which was also one of the last games that I picked up ticket wise. It was against, um, it was against Denmark and it was on a day when I decided to go to four games, which was kind of insane in itself, but I got to 342 of the 360 minutes that day, which was uh, an amazing experience. Even by the end, if I was completely exhausted, but was so glad that I went to that Tunisia game because their fans were, were outstanding start to finish. And I'm glad I got to experience that. And then Morocco, it was one of those things where the Canada Morocco game, their fans were so loud. Canadian fans were really good and outshone the Belgian fans and the Croatian fans in the first two games outnumbered in the third game, but still I thought the Canadian fans really made some noise that game as well, which was fantastic. But I wanted to experience a Morocco game when I wasn't frustrated when they were scoring goals and, and there was tremendous noise all around the, the stadium. So when I got uh, a ticket to the quarterfinal game against Portugal, I was so happy that I got to see Morocco in that game uh, just because of, A, how their team looked, but B, more importantly, how their fans were. And beyond just how loud they were, they were so gracious. Every time they saw Canadians after that game, they would be apologetic. They'd be, oh, I'm so sorry. We probably didn't deserve to win that game. And so, so many friendly Moroccans that we met and it made me actually want to visit that country sometime in the future. So, yeah, this is kind of a specific question, but like, how, like, how are your like seats in general? Were they like up close? So pretty much all over the map and and the strange thing was and this was frustrating as time wore on like most of my tickets were category three there were three different categories category one most expensive category two in the middle and category three the least expensive but one of the strange things like i got a couple of category ones which were like way up nosebleed seats like lucille stadium which is the biggest one hosted the final eighty nine thousand people and like you're on the seventh level and walking up there. And so it was a hall. When you got up to the top, everyone was breathing heavy. Even the, the, the people that uh, were in better shape were, were, uh, were breathing heavy as you got to the top. And those were, those were seats that they did not belong as category ones. If you were up in the 700 level, you were so high up. And then the, even within the same stadium, like, you would be right behind the goal with the supporter section in category three seats, which were like the 90 to a hundred dollar seats Canadian. And, and those were the majority of my seats. And some of those seats were some of the best seats that I had. So it wasn't really properly 
I, I think distributed in terms of how the category ones, twos and threes were, but you know, I got to all eight stadiums and in all eight stadiums, I had different views, sometimes down low, sometimes up high. And in, in the end, ended up liking some of the smaller stadiums more than the big ones. Like I really enjoyed the Ahmad bin Ali stadium, which is the first game Canada played against Belgium. Really enjoyed the Education City Stadium as well. Another uh, fantastic place. That's where uh, Morocco ended up beating Portugal in the end. There were smaller stadiums, but they were stadiums that held in the noise a little bit more, which was really good. So the atmosphere was really amplified in those stadiums. But yeah, kind of got seats anywhere and everywhere throughout the tournament. And early on, I was a little bit frustrated because I seemed to be on the side of the stadium that the goals were always on the other side. Like I think the first seven games that I went to, I didn't have a goal on my side of the stadium, which ended up being a little bit frustrating, but as the tournament wore on, um, you know, that all evened out. I had amazing seats. So I was basically front row for the Croatia, Japan penalty shootout. It was right in front of me. And so like, even on the highlights, I saw myself on TV. Uh, so those were the kind of seats I had. Wales was another cool experience because I was seven rows up and Wales probably brought more fans. England brought quite a few as well, but a lot of European fans didn't end up going in the big numbers that they normally do. But because Wales hadn't been to the World Cup since 1958, there was a real strong Wales contingent. And for the second game against Iran, I ended up right in the middle of their section. Um, the, the sun was beating down on me to the point where one of the Welsh fans lent me his, uh, his traditional bucket hat to put on for the second half so I didn't get sunburnt or anything like that, even though I had sunscreen on. So, yeah, just a lot of great experiences in, in different spots throughout the stadiums. But hopefully going forward for 2026, they get the tickets properly allocated where you're not going to get a Category 3 ticket that's going to be miles better than a Category 1 in the nosebleeds. So uh, are you going to go to the 2026 World Cup? And another question, do you approve of the kind of rule change in the World Cup 2026? If you know that, what, if you know what that means? So just in terms of the, the format and 48 teams? Yeah. Yeah, I, so and to answer your first question, yes. I, I mean, that'll be right typical – um, World Cup in the middle of the summer again. So it'll be in the middle of the Red Black season. So as long as um, I'm still in my current role doing Red Blacks play-by-play, it's, uh, you know, it'll be a little bit tricky to to visit. Might have to do it piecemeal there and back and hopefully don't miss too many Canada games. But I definitely plan on going in 2026. Also plan on going 2024. It sounds like Canada is going to be part of Copa America a 16-team Copa America with the 10 South American teams. And then it'll be Canada, the U.S., Mexico, and three other Central American teams. So that'll be fantastic. And with the news that Lionel Messi plans on not retiring yet, at least for, you know, who knows, maybe the next couple of years, uh, maybe they get a chance to play Messi uh, in a couple of years in Copa America. It's actually probably about 18 months out right now because of the Winter World Cup. So we're not too far away from from that event in terms of 48 teams I do approve and one of the things that I'm really happy about in terms of this event is the the fact that it sounds like they're going to go 12 groups of four and not 16 groups of three 
I, I think that would have been a big mistake. I think we saw just in terms of the drama, you, you want to have those two games going on at the same time uh, so that there's no shenanigans. So teams aren't playing for a tie uh, or, or a certain result that's going to get both of those teams through. And when you have all four teams playing at the same time, it, it alleviates some of that for sure. So I'm glad that it sounds like, even though it's not official, that they're going to go 12 groups of four and not 16 groups of three. But I, I think it's time for an expansion. I think Africa has been criminally underrepresented uh, with five teams in World Cups, and now they're going to get nine with a chance at 10 and a playoff spot. Asia is going from six in this World Cup to eight, and given how their clubs fared, if you look at all the African sides and all the Asian sides, they all ended up winning a game in this competition. So it goes to show that all of those teams um, are, are worthy of, of having more teams alongside them. No doubt in, um, Europe can can easily add another three. South America can easily add another two. And that leaves CONCACAF. And selfishly, I'm glad that, you know, there's going to be at least six spots going forward for CONCACAF nations. And it'll be a lot easier for teams like Canada to qualify. And I think the way Canada is right now and how they're set up, you know, much like when the United States and Japan and Australia and some of these other nations where soccer isn't number one, uh, once once those nations started qualifying for World Cups, um, they, they've basically gone to everyone since. And so I think Canada's going to be in the same boat. I have a hard time thinking with six spots open to CONCACAF that Canada won't be qualifying for World Cups. And, and I think that's good for the sport. So, yeah, I, I'm a big booster. I know a lot of people don't like the expansion from 32 to 48, but I'm a big fan of it and, and think, uh, you know, it's, it's time that certain parts of the world are a little bit more represented. Thanks for coming. On the podcast. It was a pleasure interviewing you, AJ. Uh, my pleasure, guys. You know what? This is one of the most fun uh, interviews that I've done. So you guys are doing great stuff. Keep up the great work and uh, just an absolute pleasure to be on with you guys. This podcast is hosted by the Interview Dudes, Jack Charon, Nathan Cox, and Ben Peters. Produced by James Charon. Music by Kevin McLeod at incomptech.com. That's I-N-C-O-M-P-T-E-C-H dot com. Thanks for listening.